Welcome to the Whiskey and Lemon podcast. Today we're going to be talking about friendship and I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you. Aristotle classifies the three types of friendship as friendship of utility, friendship of pleasure, and friendship of virtue, also known as perfect friend. Utility is defined as the state of being useful, profitable, or beneficial. Useful, especially through being able to perform several functions. In today's times, this is often seen in people that only connect to network, how they collaborate by means of bartering, partnering to promote one another's brand, or connect via mutual connections. Pleasure is defined as a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. It is used or intended for entertainment rather than business. Aristotle defines this as when one party takes advantage of another. This relationship does not progress because once one person is no longer useful or pleasant to one another, their friendship concludes. Virtue is defined as a good or useful quality of a thing. Perfect is defined as having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics as good as it is possible to be. I like the definition here that states highly suitable for someone or something. Exactly right. Conforming absolutely to the description or definition of an ideal type. Not that this ideal friend is conforming to what you want them to be, but they are exactly or as close as possible to what you view a close friend being for you. Aristotle classifies friendship of virtue as one having mutual respect and admiration. This is representative of a shared caring for one another, for who they are, and not for what they can offer you. I believe there are stages in friendship. There is our elementary years of understanding how to create friendships, what it means to have friendships for that current age, and how having friends that have common interests make us happy. We may not necessarily make friends for who they are at an elementary age, as we don't necessarily know who we even are at the moment. As we approach our teenage prepubescent years, we tend to make friends based off of shared interests and common misery or enemies. We are going through a stage of self-identification and finding those that can relate to us as well as understand the areas of our life that make us feel misunderstood is deeply desired and groundwork for connection. First, we have contact. You can also refer to this as a constituent or acquaintance. Google defines this as an associate. To make the acquaintance of is to meet someone for the first time and become only slightly familiar. So there is a familiarity with this person, but there is no real personal relationship. You don't really spend time with them. You may or may not have one another's contact information. These may be the people that you touch base with from time to time because you want to know how they're doing, but have no real interest in pursuing a closer bond. Not necessarily because you don't want to and there's no ill will, but because your life's on the line in a way to properly maintain such a friendship. This could be someone you met in school years ago. You keep each other on social media and interact minimally, but don't have much contact otherwise. This could be people who live in your community that you wave to or have small talk with when crossing paths, but otherwise have no interaction. This could also be someone that you work with. You communicate simply because you have to for the sake of your profession, but otherwise do not interact. This could also include people that you were once close with and either conflict arose or life changes occurred that made the friendship less of a connection or priority and slowly dwindled down to the minimal acquaintance interaction. Some may associate this category with being friends for a season, either because you may have had a closer bond at once and it fizzled out, or friends for a reason because you have a connection based on a particular circumstance, but you do not communicate outside of that. 
Acquaintances can also be friends of friends in which you only connect when you are all together. Google defines a comrade as a companion, friend, or also a colleague, someone who shares one's activities or is a fellow member of an organization. Your comrades are friends that are there more for socializing. These can be friends that you don't necessarily consider close, but you all connect to socialize, have a drink, go to dinner, go to a movie or a show. You would do most of the activities that you would do with a confidant because those friends are who you socialize with. You may converse with these friends on a deeper level, but there is a boundary set. There are certain things you may not tell a comrade that you would tell a confidant. We will get into that category next. Comrades could have the potential to be confidants, but there is usually a reason why they are not. Some may associate this category with friends for a reason, simply because the foundation of your relationship is more or less to gain some type of pleasure from this friend, be it entertainment or knowledge on a particular topic. This friend could easily drift into the acquaintance or confidant, depending on details and how you personally categorize your friends. There are some people that only have a certain number of confidants because there are not enough they have that level of trust with, or because they like to only have a certain amount. I fall more into the last category personally. There may be more friends that I could put into that category, but I wouldn't take the time to assess if there was because I only choose to have a couple of friends that I place in that category. I will go further into detail on that in a moment. Comrades are also friends that you can have constant communication with. They can be your regular friends that you update on your life. They can be colleagues that you enjoy talking with and may even communicate and spend time with outside of the office about things completely unrelated to work. These could be people that are in the same organization as you, religious groups, and possibly even family, but whom you do not confide in regarding very private matters simply because of your personal level of trust or comfort. A confidant is defined as a person with whom one shares a secret or private matter, trusting them not to repeat it to others. This person can be your best friend, a trusted family member, or significant other. Some would put their doctor or therapist in this category, but due to the fact that they are not someone who you would generally keep in constant contact with outside of an appointment, I don't personally consider that to be a confidant. This is someone that you may confide in about certain things and your therapist may be all confidential matters, but I wouldn't place them in a particular friend group. They are not an acquaintance because that category holds minimal interaction. A comrade is someone that you generally socialize with for leisure So although a health professional may be a confidant per se, I wouldn't classify them as a confidant in relation to friendship. Okay, so back to confidant. This friend is in the group of people in which you feel most comfortable. You should feel most at peace with these people, able to be yourself and confide in them. Be interested in being their friend for who they are as a person and not for what they can do for you, whether that be entertainment, networking, knowledge, or simply lifting your spirits. To some extent, any friendship that we value would provide us some personal benefit in whatever way. Either that person makes us feel loved, understood, strong, capable, etc. You might even think of a close friend as someone you'd provide a lot of emotional support to, even if they're not able to provide the same amount to you, or maybe you are not in need of it at the moment. That action is still allowing you to feel strong and capable of making someone feel better. If a relationship is only toxic and detrimental, chances are this person would not be part of your confidant group. You may have been treating them as such, but that doesn't mean that's what they are or where they should be. I will elaborate on that much more in a second. Unlike contacts or comrades, confidants are more likely to tell you when you are wrong, going in the wrong direction, or are making decisions detrimental to your well-being. This may not be the case for contacts or comrades because contacts may not know the personal details about your life to even have that insight. 
or like comrades may not care enough to assert their opinion because they are usually in your life just for a particular reason. I want to be clear that contacts and comrades don't necessarily have ill will. That is just not their role in your life. Just as they may fall into that category for you, you may fall into that category for them. And let's face it, we cannot provide deep life feedback to everyone we interact with. Imagine if a colleague you happen to see once a week overhears you talking about a personal matter, and then they sat down to give you full-on life advice. It wouldn't be received well. And that is simply the nature of these categories. Each one has their place. Our confidants are also people we admire. I think an overall good rule of thumb is to take advice from those we admire or emulate, something that we aspire to. It's not to say that they may not have a particular piece of advice that may be helpful, but let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say you're in your late 20s and you're living at home with your parents and you want to talk to a friend about how to take the leap into your own place, be more confident in your choices and just be more independent overall. You would probably want to go to a friend that already has gone through these steps versus one that still lives at home. You also would prefer to talk to a comrade or confidant if those things apply to them instead of a contact who these things also apply to, but you don't know them very well. A new mother who is struggling may confide in and take the advice of someone from their confidant group versus a contact group. It's not to say she can't learn something from an acquaintance or someone from a community group, but beyond that, she may prefer going to a confidant when the conversation becomes one where you divulge personal and private information. Confidants are not meant to be friends for a season or reason, but they are meant to be friends for a lifetime. So why are these friendship classifications important? Friendship is defined as mutual trust and support. Google describes a friend as a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. Dictionary.com describes a friend as a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard, or a person who gives assistance friends for a reason. Having these classifications help us to properly divvy up our time and effort and keep us protected. Properly classifying these relationships make it clear and hold us accountable as friends and allow us not to have improper expectations of others. Our confidants should not only be friends that we value and are given our time, efforts, and support, but these are not people we feel obligated to provide these things to, where it feels a burden and not like something we want to do. As we develop and nurture our confidant relationships, we should invest in them from a place of desire to see them succeed and be happy. It should be second nature for us to provide our love and care to them. We should not only be comfortable being ourselves and confiding in them, but it should be clear that they have that same space with us. By being clear on the difference between a confidant and our comrade and contact friends, we will not have to feel bad if we are incapable of providing all the same support. We also need to have these boundaries clear in our own minds so that we do not depend on those friends just the same. Let's say you talk to a confidant about a trauma. They know you on a deeper level and know what you may need and also what you may want in that moment. When a comrade might be best for discussing goals or social plans, and a contact is there to answer any inquiry or to complete a project together at work. When we do realize that these classifications are set due to the nature of our lives and personal time and resources we have available, and not from a place of ill will, it makes it easier for us to not feel spread thin, but also not to be let down. If you are constantly trying to check in with every person you know on a daily basis, it will become overwhelming, unfulfilling, and will ultimately just weaken our relationships with our friends of virtue. If we are clear on which peers we have in our confidant group and what that means, we will not expect our friends and our other groups to provide a certain level of support when they are not in that category. 
being clear on these classifications, their meanings, and their benefit should help us all to have less conflict and misunderstanding on the intention and expectations of our friendships. This makes for great mutual understanding, boundaries, and emotional well-being. Some of the major things to look for in a valuable friend is acceptance, understanding who you are, having an interest in your personal growth, but not trying to change you, and also understanding that you make mistakes and also acknowledging their own mistakes. Honesty, they will do what is best for your well-being and not always what you want. They won't just be the yes friend, but it, but will step in when they see that you are not making the best decision for yourself or when someone is treating you unfairly or harming you in some way. Trust. You can depend on that person to be there for you when you actually need them, as well as keeping your confidential matters private. This also involves sacrifice for the greater good of your happiness, safety, both emotional and physical. They take your feelings into consideration. A good friendship also holds a mutual benefit, as I previously mentioned. So it's usually not possible for each give and take to be completely equal. However, the main point to this is that both friends feel fulfilled and nurtured in their friendship. Both can count on the other to be there for happy and unhappy moments. There should never be a massive abundance of anxiety in the friendship, but more of a place of comfort and reassurance. And to top that all off, all those things that you are looking for in a valuable friendship, that friend should also feel these same things from you. There are a few quotes that I have come across in regards to friendship, and I want to share them. I'm not going to provide any further context. I think they basically speak for themselves. One quote by Aristotle is to love someone is to identify with them. Alice Walker stated, no person is your friend who demands your silence or denies your right to grow. Another quote from Aristotle is friends hold a mirror up to each other. Through that mirror, they can see each other in ways that would not otherwise be accessible to them. And it is this mirroring that helps them improve themselves as people. And lastly, there's a quote by Anonymous. I don't know who said it, but it is one of my favorites. And it is, if someone makes you happy, make them happier. As always, I hope this information was helpful for you. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review.